Good morning. I invite you to stand and sing with us, Shout to the North. may be seated. Thank you, Laurie and ladies, for bringing such joyful music and song to start the service this morning. Good morning. Good to see that so many of you have uh, come to join the worship service this morning, and uh, a special welcome to guests. And uh, I would like to make a, an introduction to a special guest of mine. My nephew and his wife are here, and um, they are Larry and Sheila Penner from Calgary, Alberta. Good to see you here. And if there are other guests here, a special welcome to you. 
And also a special welcome to uh, those that will join us on air later in the week. Uh, we hope that the service will be a blessing to you. May all of you experience the Lord's nearness as we worship together. I will again, I would again like to invite you to join me in the Lord's Prayer, and I will uh, lead off with a short prayer, and then when you hear as he taught us to pray, then please join me in with the Lord's Prayer. So please stand if you're able. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for your unwavering love. Thank you that you are always near and take great delight when we gather to worship you. You have blessed us with a beautiful morning again. Receive our worship in song and inspire us into a closer relationship with you. Lord, receive our prayer as you taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those that trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever and ever, amen. You, can, you may be seated. Ladies, please serve again. We'll continue with Be Unto Your Name, and then Christ is Mine Forevermore. i 
Stop. 
a beautiful song and a powerful message. Thank you. Let's take a look at our uh, bulletin. And on page two, please note, Edwin Siemens is back and recovered from his surgery to resume his custodian work again. Let's give Ed a warm welcome. And uh, Preston and Myra are our missionaries of the week, so please rem remember them in your prayers. Uh, Pastor Victor is currently uh, today serving at Salem Evergreen this morning. And then on page three, persons with health needs. In Boundary Trails are Caroline Ham, Mary Cron, and Anna Thiessen. Uh, Cornish C. Thiessen is back in Bueller, and so please note the correction. In Notre Dame is Dave Weeb. In Swan Lake Hospital, Mary Duick and John Suderman. And Abe A. Friesen was moved from Boundary Trails directly to the Manitou Care Home and not from the Bueller Active Living Center, so note that. Dorothy Hebert passed away, and her funeral was on August the 25th in the church here. She is the sister-in-law to Ann Weens and Jesse Hebert, and an aunt to Elvin and Cheryl Weens. Please keep the family in your thoughts and prayers as they experience this difficult time of parting. And on page four, Please note the upcoming events, the potluck, which you might not want to miss, uh, deacon nominations, and the communion service. Please uh, review the rest of the bulletin uh, information on your own. So let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are our living God. 
that you are pleased to receive our praises and you hear us when we bring our concerns before you. Our prayers reach out to Preston and Myra as they serve in missions. Guide them and sustain their spirit as they minister in the building of your kingdom. Today, we bring before you members who are struggling with their health. Carolyn Ham, Mary Cron, Ann Thiessen, and also Abe Friesen, who was moved to the Manitoba Care Home, awaiting a place in Salem Home. Also awaiting Salem are Mary Duick, John Suderman, and Dave Weeb. We pray that your comforting hand be upon them to assure them of your love, that they are not alone, and that your presence be felt in their life's journey. Also, our prayers are with Corny Thiessen, who patiently awaits your calling to be with you in eternal glory. Lord, we pray that your comforting hand be upon the Dorothy Hebert family as they mourn her passing. We pray for Pastor Vic and the singers as they minister to the congregation upstairs at Evergreen in Salem. May the message of your love and care resonate with them and bring them comfort. Lord, there are many issues that are of grave concern to us in our families, our community, our country, and the world. Give us the wisdom to discern, to provide intercession when needed, and to be there as witness in the building of your kingdom. Thank you, Lord, that you have inspired Pastor Dean to bring to us a message on the three truths about our journey to heaven. Give him the words to speak and open our hearts and mind to receive your message. Now, as we share of the bounty entrusted to us, receive our offering and may it be a blessing in the building of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Ushers, please come and re receive the offering while Laurie serves us with the offertory. And after which, Esther Ann will bring the scripture reading.
The reading of our scripture passage this morning is found in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. Assurance of the resurrection. For we know that if our earthly house, this tent, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. For in this we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven, if indeed, having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. For we who are in this tent groan, being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Now, he who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us the Spirit as a guarantee. We are always confident, knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. For we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, yes, well pleased rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Therefore, we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well pleasing to him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. May God bless the reading of his holy word to your heart. Good morning. Well, it is good to be in the house of the Lord. It's good for Cheryl and I to be back from our vacation. And especially, it's nice to go away, but I think it's even better to come home. When our oldest son, Ashton, was 10 years old, he went on a Sunday school camp out with other children in a teacher's backyard. He had loads of fun as the kids played different games and then they slept overnight in a tent. However, an insect bit Ashton during the night, leaving a mark below his eye, his right eye, and above his right eye. We thought they were just mosquito bites, so we didn't pay much attention to it. Sure enough, as Saturday morning came, we found out that his eye began to swell shut. We took him then to the doctor to have it checked out. The exciting thing is that although Ashton had his bad experience, he still had a good time, and he wanted to go and do that again. In this tent, uh, he wanted to go and do that again. I know that he would not want to live his whole life in a tent because tents are flimsy and unstable. But while on the camp out, he thoroughly enjoyed himself. Similarly, the Bible speaks about a person's soul being housed in a tent on this earth. In this tent, we groan and we experience all kinds of difficulties, problems, and hardships. 
But God still wants us to enjoy the journey while we depend on him and we walk with him and ask him for strength each and every day. This tent is only a temporary home for us until we arrive at our eternal home, heaven, which is forever. If you have ever gone camping in a tent with others or your family, you will know that there are both positive and negative things about such an experience. So I've made a list of both. First, the negative aspects of living in a tent. Number one, tents can be very uncomfortable when it gets too hot or too cold. There's ne- or number two, there's no running water or electricity. Number three, there's very little privacy. Number four, they can be very noisy. If someone snores or a baby cries, then everybody's sleep is disrupted. Number five, tents offer little protection against wild animals. Number six, a good rain can soak you to the core. Have you ever experienced that in a tent? And some people are shaking their heads. Yes, that certainly can happen. And then number seven, by the week's end, everybody is usually tired and cranky and wants to go to their real home. That's what tenting is. And that's what living on earth many times is like. I'm sure everyone here can think of some more negative things about camping with a tent. Second, here is a list of the positive things of camping in the tent. Number one, it requires everyone to work as a team. If you're going to enjoy yourself, you got to be working as a team. Number two, allows us to help one another. Number three, hard times can help forge friendships. Number four, helps us to marvel at God's creation because we're out there and we look around and we see that God has created all of this. Number five, the whole family can have fun with water fights, making meals, and enjoying one another's presence around the campfire. And number six, it helps us to appreciate our eternal, or I should say our permanent homes down here, But when we reflect upon our own lives, it helps us to look forward to the reality one day when we will receive a new permanent home. This morning, we want to look at the three aspects of eternity. So I've entitled this morning's message, Three Truths About Our Journey to Heaven. Three Truths About Our Journey to Heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we are on this journey, we realize that it is for the short time. Sometimes it feels like a long time. There are problems and difficulties and hardships just living in a fallen world. Second, you've told us to proclaim the gospel. We know there is always opposition, and there can be opposition that can darken our hearts. I pray, Father, we would look at everything as an opportunity while we are down here, and the cost that we have to pay, we will gladly bear it because of the price that you paid on our behalf. I pray now, Lord, that you give us insight to the scriptures this morning so that we can understand and we can delve more into your word to see what heaven is all about because that is our final destination. Thank you once again for this opportunity to come and listen to your word as we look into it together. May you speak to our hearts. Amen. 
Three truths about our journey to heaven. Truth number one, our focus needs to be on heaven. Our focus needs to be on heaven. Sometimes our focus is here on earth and we get discouraged. Sometimes we look at our pain and our sufferings and our difficulties and we say, oh, I don't want to go anymore along this journey. Chapter um, uh, 5, verse 1 says this of 2 Corinthians, Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven not built by human hands. Notice that it is not built by human's hands. It is eternal. The home that we will receive or the house in place of the tent that we have down here, which is our mortal bodies, is going to be replaced. There will be no more pain, no more heartache, we will live in a body and we will have energy. There will be no night. There will only be day. How this will be, we don't understand. But I tell you what, we will be with the Lord. How do we know we have an eternal house in heaven? The answer is that the word of God tells us, especially here in this verse. Romans also 10, 17 says this, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We have placed our faith in Christ. We have put our trust in him. He has forgiven us and we have turned from our sins. Our lives have been transformed. And Paul tells us in Romans chapter 8, verses 16 through 17, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs and of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Yes, there is a place of suffering, not just suffering from the infirmities of a broken world, but suffering because we have been obedient to the Lord. We, are, we all know that there are no shortages of problems while we are living here on earth. The older we get, the more aware we become that we are not here for long and our bodies are slowly wasting away. If we live for the pleasures of this world, then we are in big trouble. It does not take a logician to tell us that we are not going to be here for long. And for many of us, we even see it is shorter than what we think. That's why Paul focuses his, uh, his attention on eternity, on eternity rather than the present. We are not here for long. It is just a short moment. It is a breath. It is here. It is gone so quickly. In the previous chapter, chapter 4, Paul describes how he and his companions suffered hardship and persecution as they traveled the road to proclaim the gospel. And that was Paul's passion, to tell others about Jesus Christ. Now in chapter 5, verses 2 to 4, he says this. He says, meanwhile, meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because, we, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened, because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. 
what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. I want you to tell you, one day our pain and our sorrows and our troubles are going to end. Notice that Paul also says that while we are here, we are groaning in our bodies, while we are longing to be clothed in our heavenly dwellings. People who groan are those who are subject to great pain and suffering. However, our focus must not be on our pain and suffering because then we will only mope around. If we only think of our problems, if we only think of the difficulties, we will mope over them, we will grumble. If we think of our losses because we have all lost loved ones, we'll complain, oh, why did this happen to me? If we think of our bodies and the way that they waste away, or if they have been injured and you can even be young and have disformities, we can sit and we can mope and complain. You see, God doesn't want us to do that. Also, God doesn't want to de- us to deny our pain and to say, oh, well, it's not really there. It is there. It's real. But he helps us through that because our focus is on him. We need to be wrapped up in walking with God, experiencing his love and his fellowship, doing his bidding, and seeing him work transforming people's lives. We will forget about our pain and suffering when we look at what God is doing in other people's lives and in our lives praising him and thanking him rather than concentrating on our problems and our difficulties. Are we looking to him? Is he giving us the freshness every day that we need to live the Christian life? Where is our focus? I remember when I was in college, another student walked into a group of us students, and the one said, you know, he said, I can pull a hair out of your head, and you won't even feel it. And the one guy says, oh, yeah, okay, show it to me. So he sat there. The other guy came up to him. He picked up with his left hand a hair, and he cracked him over the head with this other hand, and he said, did you feel the hair? He says, no. That's because all of a sudden, (laughs) the pain was somewhere else. You know what? Sometimes we have to focus, though, what is on right and what is good and what God is doing. And you know what? The pain, the difficulties, and the troubles will not feel so bad because our focus will be on the Lord. God has a purpose for you and me, which is for us to shine the light of the glory of God to others. That's what he has for us. In his book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says this, if you read history, you will find that Christian, the Christians did most for the present world were just those who thought of the next. The apostles themselves, the great men who built the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, and all their mar- left all their marks on earth precisely because their minds were occupied on heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of 
of the other world that they have become ineffective in this. And then I love his last question, which says here, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. How important that really is. Because when heaven is our goal, then everything moves towards that. Isn't that exciting? As Paul served, he has no desire for this world, only a desire to serve the Lord. That was his passion, and that's what our passion should be. His thoughts and his focuses were always on heaven. With all the pain, with all the suffering that he was experiencing, with the beatings, the shipwreck, and going without food, and going without sleep for nights and days, all of this did not matter as long as he was serving the Lord. Listen to what Jesus says in the Beatitude. Blessed are you who hunger, for you will be satisfied. Blessed are you who weep, for you will laugh. In the previous letter to the Corinthians, Paul wrote about what believers can expect when they reach heaven. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 51 through 55, Paul says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised to imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? Wow, when we focus on God's wonderful promises of our future state in heaven, this trip is worth it. Whether suffering comes and hardships or difficulty, it has all been worth it for the Lord, for the one we have been serving. This now leads us to the second truth about our journey to heaven. Number two, our journey to heaven is our confidence is in where we will spend eternity. Our confidence is where we will spend eternity. Verses five through eight. Throughout the scriptures, God has promised eternal life to those who place their faith and their trust in him. Heaven is going to be the grandest place because Jesus is going to be there. How do we know that we are going to be there? Verse 5 says this, and the following verses tell us the answer. Verse 5, now if God who has made us for this very purpose has given us a spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. It is guaranteeing. His spirit is guaranteeing what is to come. The moment the person becomes a believer in Christ, Christ's spirit comes to reside in him or her. That is what transforms the believer's life into a new creation. They become a new person. 
God's Spirit is the one who gives us power not only to overcome temptations, but also to live a victorious Christian life in spite of our sufferings, in spite of our difficulties, in spite of anything that can happen in this life. Heaven is guaranteed to every believer because Christ has paid the price. And he has placed his spirit in them as a deposit. I was looking at a steel door one day for an outside building that really didn't look that great. So I was looking at some damaged doors. The salesman came along and said, yeah, there's some scuffs and marks on it, but we just want to let you know there's a guarantee on all of these doors. I kind of thought back to us. You know, God has placed his spirit in us. There's scuffs and marks. He's bought, he's redeemed us, and he's given us a spirit within. And there's a guarantee the moment we make a decision for Christ, we will spend eternity with him. We will spend eternity with him. He has put his seal of approval upon us because what he has done for us on the cross. Listen to what Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 21 through 22. Now it is God who makes us, and you stand in Christ. He anoints us, sets his seal of ownership on us, and puts his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. It is sure. It is a reality. It will happen. Listen to what Paul says to the church in F to the church at Ephesus, Ephesians chapter one, verses thirteen and fourteen. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. Having believed, you were marked in Him with a seal, promised of the Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Wow. In this morning's passage, the next verses, verses 6 through 8 that we're looking at, now verses 6 through 8, Paul says, Therefore, and, re, and as I read these two, uh, next verses, you, you will see the word confident in here twice. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident. I say and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. Paul would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. The reason why he wants to remain is for service for the church and because he loves the ones that he has led to the Lord. The believer, the one who places their faith in Christ, can have complete confidence in where they will spend eternity. Now we come to the last truth about our journey to heaven is number three. Our goal is to please Jesus, verses 9 and 10. Our goal is to please Jesus. That's our goal. 
Verse 9, so we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home, in the body, or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ to, that each one may receive what is due for, uh, due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. Our goal is to please an audience of one. Our goal is to please an audience of one, Jesus Christ. That's our goal. We are not here to impress people or to measure up to other individuals. We are here to please the Lord at all times and in every area of our life. He is the one who will be doing the judging and handing out the rewards. It's not going to happen before anybody in the church. It's not going to happen before anybody outside the church. It's going to be the Lord and the Lord alone. And he will give the verdict. And it's not in regards to our salvation. That has been bought and paid for. This is in regards to what we have done for him while we are here. The judgment of street of Christ, as I said, is not about salvation. That has already been decided when the believer has placed their faith in Christ. According to Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9, we are saved by grace and grace alone, apart from works that no one can boast. None of us will be able to boast. It is by his grace and nothing absolutely nothing that we have done. According to 2 Corinthians 4, verses 1 through 4, some matters will never be settled here on earth. There won't be. There's some matters we will never settle throughout all our endeavors. There's matters that we will never settle. That's why Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, therefore judge nothing by before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and expose the motives of men's heart. At that time, each will receive his praise from God. We stand before God and God alone. And he looks, decides, and judges. Our works, suffering, and obedience indicate how much we love the Lord for the ultimate sacrifice of his life for us. I want to repeat that. Our works, our sufferings, and obedience indicate how much we love the Lord for the ultimate sacrifice of his life. Christ demands nothing for our salvation, but we as recipients, and when we look at what he paid for us, we give back to him our love, our appreciation, our work. If we have to suffer for him, we count it a blessing. And it's how much do we love him? And what are we willing to do for him while we are here? And are we willing to give it all back to him? 
The scripture says that there are rewards that are handed out, and part of the rewards are the crowns. And one day we will throw our crowns before the feet of the Lord to give back to him, because we will say it was nothing to us. But we have given him rewards that he has given us, and as token of our love, we give it back to him. Do we have rewards that we can give back to him? Or have we been busy down here just living for the present and for ourselves? Have we made the sacrifices for him? Have we gone on our way to serve others? Have we gone on our ways to tell others about Jesus Christ that we can say to him when we stand before him, Lord, I brought these people. You gave me this gift and this gift. I use this to bring others to you. Or do we come before the Lord empty-handed? Empty-handed. And while we serve him down here, we serve him with joy. We serve him with our abilities and our talents. And yes, when somebody say you suffered, you can say, yeah, I have suffered. But it's been worth it. It's been worth it. And we will say that when we get to the other side. When we look back, we'll say it was nothing compared to the price that Jesus gave for us. It was nothing. As a believer, the judgment seat of Christ can either be a place of fear in our hearts or a place of rejoicing. For it is at that time the rewards for what we have done with our time, our talents, our treasures, our resources will be given out. How about you and I this morning? If we were to die and stand before Christ, would we go before him empty-handed? Or would we go before him saying, you gave me this, I used it, and I used it for your glory. Will he hear, will you and I hear from his lips, well done, good and faithful servant? Or will he just say, well, come on in. There wasn't a whole lot you did for me. We need to be mindful that we are serving the Lord. While we are here on earth, we are living in tents. It is our focus. If our focus is on life's difficulties, then we will be busy trying to get ourselves comfortable. If our focus is on heaven, we'll be busy spending our time, our talents, and our energy on the things that will last for all eternity. Please stand with us, and we'll... Sing the first three verses of O Master, Let Me Walk With Thee, with thee number 440 in your hymnal if, you'd, if you need that.
Moses, Moses says this to his people. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all the blessings that you have shed upon our lives. You have given us so much. And Lord, we want to serve you with a full heart. Lord, indicate how we can serve you to the fullest. I pray, Father, that as we look over our lives, and Lord, as we examine the talents, the gifts, all of the blessings, I pray that you'd help us to understand how we can use them each and every day for you. Now I pray, Father, that as we go our separate ways, that you would go before us, and as we rise every morning and we pray and we read your word, I pray that you would strengthen us to complete the tasks and all the mission work you have for us, and we will give you the praise and honor, and all glory will go to you. For this is our desire. Amen. Uh